Glad you could join us for this week's episode of Cranford Radio. My name is Bernie Wagenblast. Our guest today is somebody that you probably most associate with snow sculptures, but there's another facet to him as well. Robert Schott is our guest. Robert, welcome to Cranford Radio. Hey, thanks, Bernie. It's great to be here. Maybe I should have said welcome back to Cranford Radio because the last time we talked, it was uh, in a snowstorm as you were putting together one of your snow sculptures there on Springfield Avenue. That always gives me a lot of joy to do, mostly while it's hard work. I love how happy it makes everybody coming by. So it's really inspiring. Well, as I said, there is another facet that we're going to be covering today, and that is your role as a toy inventor. I guess that's one way of phrasing it. Tell us a little bit about the toys you've invented or the toy in particular that you're working on right now, if you would, please. Yeah, it's funny that at some point call myself a toy inventor because I'll have one, but it wasn't something I aspired to. <laughs> so it was probably 20 years ago by now that I saw something the way my daughter Carly was playing with her dolls. And she was using those cardboard bricks to make rooms across the floor, as opposed to playing inside a dollhouse. And she'd laid the bricks out into the shapes of rooms. She decorated and she was just playing by herself. Um, mm -hmm. across half of one of our rooms. The light bulb went on. I said, holy cow, Carly, I wonder if there's a toy out there that does this for you. And it was a Sunday, so there was no way to go find out. So we agreed. We went downstairs and just started to draw what a toy would be that you could make walls that plays in this kind of creative space. Um, and that's when I said to her, I'm going to get this made for you. It didn't happen then, but you know, I did take some steps to advance it. I let it go for a lot of years, and then I revived it about two years ago. Now, this is not your first entrepreneurial venture. Uh, you've done something, uh, and this time of year, uh, October, Halloween and such, uh, is is a big time of year for it. Wow Windows, tell us about that earlier incarnation of your entrepreneurial spirit. It's really funny because it's really very related to the toy inspiration. I worked on the toy, advancing it for about a year and a half, and it, it came to a conclusion where no one wanted to buy the idea. What I realized about myself is I had done something different than my corporate life, and I thought, well, what else have I made that maybe I could make myself and not just try to sell the idea? And I remembered back in 2000, I had made giant cat eyes for Halloween. I got these big pieces of hardboard cut eyes shapes and put red cellophane behind them. And then with the room lights upstairs was a giant cat looking out. So I, I remembered that and I said, hey, I could. I wonder if I could print those and make them into a product. So that's where I got underway, uh, trying to figure out how to design and make them. And I, I don't know, a half year later, I talked to a good old friend of ours who sadly passed in 2009, Brian Jenkins. Mm -hmm. He formed a partnership to create the Wow Window Process product. And in 2005, we had real product and I'm still selling them. So it's wow. been a really interesting life journey. <laughs> now, you mentioned this is sort of a, a different angle for what your nine to five job, if such a thing exists anymore, a nine to five job, but your background is more in the, the financial industry, isn't it? Yeah. In fact, I have a graphic design degree from school, but soon into the work world, I was creating business slides having to do with our clients' welfare benefits retirement plans, pension plans. So I became immersed in the technical side 
and the career evolved into becoming a communication consultant in the retirement plans industry. So I work with clients designing strategies around how to teach people about saving, investing, and planning for retirement. (laughs) So that's what I do during the day. You talked about this process just very briefly about inventing a toy, coming up with an idea, and then trying to sell the idea. In corporate America, you know, you've got big companies like Mattel and Hasbro, among others. How does a single person approach a big corporation like this that is selling millions of dollars worth of product with an idea to say, hey, is this something you might be interested in? Yeah, it's a huge question. And um, I'll say that there was some relationships I had and lucky strokes that got me into some big meetings. And part of it is, and this is the general takeaway, is I talk a lot about what I'm working on, Mm -hmm. which leads to other people saying, hey, I might know somebody. But a college friend of mine was the, I'll call him the Tom Hanks at Hasbro. He worked in a shop and the inventors would come in and say, hey, uh, Doug, can you make these things for us with your CNC machines and all this stuff? And he arranged a meeting with the head of creative at Hasbro. And they said, well, Robert, we really like what you've got here, but we kind of cater to toys that boys build and they like to destroy. (laughs) This toy isn't really for that. Well, in the meantime, I had another introduction to a man who was helping me with a career transition. And he said, what do you want to really work on? Because I'd just been laid off. And I said, well, I'd really like to work on my toy. And then he said, well, hey, guess what? About two months ago, I was at a think tank session at someone's home in New Mexico. And the head of innovation at Nike was there, the head of innovation at Mattel and a couple other people. When you're ready, I'd be happy to introduce you to this person at Mattel. And that led to a one-hour meeting with the head of Barbie, Kratom. And when I left the building, the young lady who took me out said, Robert, I don't know how you got in here because people like you don't. (laughs) I'm I'm just an amateur inventor. And then two, he told you stuff about Barbie that was secret because he was so excited about what you'd created. And Bernie, the last meeting was through another networking arrangement through a guy I knew from my first job after college. I got a meeting at the head of, with the head of brands at Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. And she said, Robert, I really like what you have here, but I can't work with you because it's not a real product. You know, we need something to put right on the shelves. But I want you to paint this Barbie pink, go back to Mattel, tell them they got their heads you know where, because this is what we need on the shelves. And that was my last meeting, in it, but it was so inspiring to think that I got these big heads to turn and look at what I was doing. And I wanted to sell the ideas, you know, licensing arrangement where I get a royalty on future sales that nobody bought into it. And I just quit. You know, I stopped working on it and I shifted my attention to the window posters thinking, gosh, if I could sell enough window posters, then maybe I can build a toy myself. That was literally the, the objective. And what happened then is, you know, a lot of years have gone by and I didn't make the money from the window posters like I dreamed. But I think more important, Bernie, I learned how. So that the wealth of information I learned about bringing a toy from scratch or an item from scratch into the biggest retailers in the country has informed me of how to build the toy. So all the kind of homework was done and the, the financing is tough, but it's the knowledge of how to proceed that really became the value for switching to the posters at that time. I'm curious, you talk about sharing this idea with folks at Hasbro and Mattel and Toys R Us. Was this something that was patented? Were you afraid that 
you might share this with these big corporations. You're a, a, a one-person operation, and they might go and steal the idea and market it and forget all about you. Yeah, of course. And I, I researched that. I did file a patent, so it was I had a provisional patent filing, which is really critical. You know, I studied what people said about these companies, creative departments, taking other people's ideas. And, I, you know, there was some hesitancy at big time. But I also thought, well, I'm never going to move forward unless I tell. So <laughs> you kind of have to. And if, if they take it, they take it. But nobody ran with it. So I'm, you know, left to work on it again. And now I filed a new patent. So there's a utility patent and design patent that are filed waiting approval. And what was interesting was to file the patent on the toy against the patent I filed in 2003 was a conflict. Like I wouldn't be able to compete with that. So luckily the engineer I hired made some really nice improvements to the design that changed it enough that I could file a separate patent and have unique claims to make. And so he's on the patent filing with me, even though um, you know, I'm the owner of the whole business. We talked a bit about what this product was, how the it was inspired by watching your daughter some 20 years ago right, playing the <laughs> on the floor. Tell us a little bit more about yeah, it, sure. if you can. I coined it, and the name still today is called Sprawly Walls. So think of sprawl across the landscape. Sprawly, and the kids won't know what that word is, but it's fun to say. Sprawly Walls. <laughs> so the invention is how I can join two panels together on any edge with a hinge that's easy to put together and allows other panels to join that hinge position. And then the, the hinges can allow the walls to pivot in any direction you want. And you can connect all the other edges of the panels to other panels. So in effect, you can create room play spaces that can be of the kid's invention. You know, it's not your two bedrooms, bathroom, kitchen, living room, dining room. It can now be, you know, the yoga room, the TV room, the art room, the music room. They can have any kind of room they want. Or further, they could, you know, turn it into a farm or make it a castle scene. Or the creativity just is unleashed. Um, no bounds. They create these spaces across the floor and they can just keep adding parts to build their system. The, the initial toy, Sproly Walls, will be released later this year. We'll have 12 panels that are 8 by 12 inches so you can kind of get the feel for the size. It's intended to work with any doll or action figure that kids might own. And they'll eventually there'll be more sizes of panels. And uh, the initial set's going to have four pastel colors, but next year there'll be four bright colors and then four earth tone colors. So it starts to appeal to different types of play that boys and girls you know, like to experience. I saw on your snow sculpture site that you would change the name. And I also had seen, you know, as I was looking more about this sprawly wall site, calling yourself Mr. Bopped. Tell us <laughs> about that. What's that all about? Yeah. I told you I got some emails this morning guiding me on how I'm representing myself. And it might actually evolve to, quote, Dr. Bopped. Um, <laughs> I, I used to keep this a secret just because the name is fun. The name of my company is Bopped Inc. Bopped Incorporated. Well, Bopped is... From when I was four years old, I believe how I spelled my name, which was Robert. And I know my uncle Ray used to call me Bopped. So, so <laughs> why not use what was true when I was four today when I'm working on a toy? So that's that's where the word Bopped comes from. And so 
my persona as Mr. or Dr. Bob is to be this inventive, fun person who is coming up with creative things for children to play and another social aspect of their development. And I, let me just point this out because I think that what I'm discovering is kind of like a new career possibility in the future. There's a theme called free play, F-R-E, mm -hmm. free play, that is about children playing independent of adults. And it's the purest sense of creativity and how they interact and work together, collaborate, and solve problems versus, say, electronic play, which is traditionally a singular activity, but also not as creative necessarily. And I discovered that my sprawling walls concept is the ultimate in free play. Mm -hmm. because it, the, the tag is build, decorate, and play. And they're just off and running. And I'd run focus groups back in 2003, three groups of kids. And the, the girl group figured it out in like a minute how to build. And they decorated with all their stuff. They brought all their stuff for the focus group. And then literally with adults watching, the camera rolling, these six or eight girls were just in total role play, interacting in the space with their dolls as opposed to each other. So mm -hmm. their dolls were talking to each other as we were all watching. It was like magical. And, and that was what I actually took when I presented to Mattel to say, hey, this works. You know, look, look at the outcome of these kids playing. It's certainly different putting this product together on your own than it would be just selling the concept to a company like Mattel. There's marketing, there's finance, there's manufacturing, distribution. That's just the surface of all the things oh that God, you would yeah. have to be involved with. What's it like trying to do all this? You have, I believe, a full-time job still that you're you're working on, and not necessarily all of these areas are areas of your own expertise. So how do you try to bring this all together to bring a product to market? Thanks for asking that. Like I mentioned, the window poster process taught me a lot about what it takes to find a manufacturer work with the finishing part of the process, how to, where do you put it after you make it, um, what kind of labels does it need, and barcodes. So I really learned a lot about how to do all those parts. So this was starting again with a different product, different kind of manufacturer. And somehow I navigated to a great resource. The toy is going to be made in Kent, Ohio, uh, where the engineer is in three different plastic enterprises that are contributing to its production, which is actually going on this week, no. October 3rd. They're manufacturing right now. But it took a, you know, it was 18 months to get to this point, working with their engineer, looking at prototypes, redesigning the prototypes. You know, one epiphany, one day I was in my master's workout in swimming, and I thought, wait a minute, what if the rod that holds the hinge together could snap onto the top of a Lego post? I had just spent like five grand on the prototypes, like, ah. Oh, well, I guess another five grand for the $100 million idea is worth it. So I, we redesigned all the prototypes, and now it's designed to snap onto Lego. If you maybe recall, you will recall the, the toy color forms. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. They're, they're vinyl. Little plastic things that you put on, yeah, make you different. Put them on, take them off. They're reusable. Well, the toy adapts to that type of vinyl color form scheme where you can decorate the walls. And oh. I discovered that dry erase markers so the kids can draw on the walls and they can use their magnetiles through the wall. So there's all these integrations of other toy systems that are part of the discovery because at the beginning of the year, I started running focus groups with kids in town in Cranford, you know, about a half dozen families and their kids. And I said, hey, look, 
um, I'm going to leave the toy model with you, not the actual product. I want you to play for a week or two. I'm going to come back and I will pay you $10. And all you have to do is be honest with me. What that means, if you didn't touch it for two weeks and you sit in front of me and tell me you didn't touch it because I didn't want to, I'm going to give you $10, <laughs> which I did. Some of the kids didn't, didn't play with it, but then others did. And they gave me all kinds of creative ideas. So that was going on. I also launched a survey at the beginning of the year to understand what is going on in households today with how children play. It's called a play pattern survey. It doesn't mention the toy, but it probes for how children are using their time on school days and non-school days. Are they playing by themselves? Are they playing inside? Are they playing outside? Are they playing with friends? Are they on electronics? Are they doing these free play type of things? And how much time and what toys are they using? So that was really informing to kind of prove that this type of play is still important. Well, anyway, back to your question. It's I keep churning and looking into the next things. And I'd mentioned that a couple of folks I'm collaborating with on graphics and content are beating me up because I'm not the expert and I need to turn it over to them. So everything I'm doing is about finding the best resources. So there's parts of the, the marketing and the launch that I'm probably not as good at. And I need to get some good people around me to support that. I also saw you made mention of having a ribbon cutting this fall, possibly in downtown Cranford. Is that still something you're looking at? I am. I think we're going to delay it a little bit just because some parts aren't really ready. But I talked to Mayor Punty about that and trying to get space reserved when the time comes. I had focused on later October, but I think I need to wait a little bit longer. And there'll be plenty of announcements around it from flyers and stores. And I have a Facebook group called Box Toy Invention Flan Club. If anyone wishes to join that, you can keep up to date with the progress of the toy and the marketing aspects. But there'll be hopefully good publicity around when we actually do the ribbon cutting. And the plan is that I'd have the product there and I'm going to spread it out for the kids to play and try it. And the parents, of course, would be, would be grateful if they bought a set while they were standing there. I'll mention too, I'm also, um, I really am focused eventually on the philanthropic side around helping children who have challenges is how I'm characterizing it. And I want to involve, in fact, the invitations for the ribbon cutting and the playtime there would invite children who may be on the spectrum with autism or have be blind or be deaf. And I want to open the doors to say, every kid can play. We're going to help them. Mm-hmm and eventually provide additional support to enterprises where children are, have challenges, whether it be urban economic situations, physical situations, and so on. It'll be part, part of what I do in spreading the word about the toy. Well, we will have a link to that Facebook group that you mentioned, so folks can just click on that and uh, find out more and join the group if they would like. But Robert, thank you so much for being my guest here on Cranford Radio and telling us a bit about what you're working on. Bernie, it's always great to talk to you, and I appreciate the time to share my story, and I look forward to subsequent parts to this. Excellent. Thank you so much.